Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast, season three. And we couldn't come over this knoll to get any closer to them because their eyesight is so good. There's 11 of them. There's two lookouts in the cliffs above. We were just kind of pegged down behind this rock and we couldn't move. Where we discuss hunting and fishing. And I've had coyotes doing serenades on the run after two or three howls. They start howling, two or three of them. And you're trying to find them and they sound like, oh, you could tell they were running. Cooking and cleaning wild game. You know, when you go to the grocery store, you don't see the cow, you don't see the pig, you don't see, you know, you don't see the animal. Whereas in the woods, you know, you, I see Josh bring home the deer and skin the deer and pro- we process it together, you know, so you see it broken down, whereas you don't know that when you go to a grocery store. So I, it is a lot of mental. Hits, misses, and everything in between. So he came into about 80 yards and then we dumped. Go ahead and say it. 26 rounds Ooh. before we finally killed it. 26 <laughs> rounds. Thank you for listening. This podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Locally owned and operated out of Attica, Michigan, Predator Hunter Outdoors will keep you hunting when the sun goes down. Predator Hunter Outdoors has something for every budget and experience level, including lights, night vision, and thermal, as well as a full line of tripods, mounts, and predator calls. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Predator Hunter Outdoors, or visit their webpage at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com. Enter the promo code LIGHT for 20% off light products and TRIPOD for 10% off tripods and mounts. Want to lengthen your time in the field and shorten your scouting time? Not only does the HuntWise app show you property boundaries, landowners' names, and in some cases even their phone number, but using the app will show you the wind direction on the map of the place you want to hunt. And the HuntCast feature shows peak movement times for various species, including predators. Get the HuntWise app at www.huntwise.com, the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store. For only $59.99 a year for Pro or $119.99 a year for Elite. Use promo code OVERDRIVE20 for 20% off an annual membership. Welcome back, everybody, to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. It is me, Josh Mapes, tonight, joined by Mr. Co-host Kevin Roth. And we are joined, man, if this guy wouldn't have been around, Kevin, I don't even know if we would have known of each other at all at the time being. Uh, We have Mr. Ben Van Weeren on the line with us tonight. And Ben, for those who don't know, what was the forum name, Ben? Was it just Michigan Coyote Hunters? Yeah, it was Michigan Predator Hunting. It was real basic. Um, Scraphorn.proboards.something-something. I remember that. Yeah, that that was the, uh, right, that was when I created the actual forum itself, at least the initial one. Yep. Um, We won't get into the the Scraphorn part, but. (laughs) What, What year did you start that, Ben? That was started right around 2002 21 years ago yeah i know it's insane um (laughs) the whole thing got started uh basically by me buying a new house uh hunting in the being allowed to hunt in the backyard for deer which i had about a four-year five-year hiatus from so i bought my new house 
walking around in the backyard after a morning of uh, not seeing anything. And in the sand, I'm noticing these tracks. And I'm like, man, those do not look like dog tracks to me. There's something up with these tracks. Yeah. And within a split second, this coyote busts out of the brush. It sees me. I see it at the same time. It busts back into the brush. And my whole life growing up, I grew up a mile and a half from where I bought my house. And I had never seen a coyote, never heard of a coyote. Um, I don't know what I knew about them other than cartoons. And it was <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs> it was fascinating for me to see this creature, this, this large canine in my, my new backyard. And at that point, um, I was just kind of, you know, blown away by seeing this thing. I'm like, what a cool animal. It's right in the backyard. I got to know as much as I can about this thing. Um, I remember going on a few other forums I had found. Uh, this is 2001, 2002, mind you. So there wasn't a ton of information, yeah, especially no... for us Michigan guys. Yeah, there was no Predator, Mas look. Predator Masters was still on back then, right? Was it? I don't even know. Oh. I think it was, but I didn't know it even existed. I had found another forum, and uh, I want to say it was – I can't even remember the name of it. Michigan it was a little bit smaller. And there were a few guys from Michigan on there. But uh, after seeing that coyote, I was just kind of, I don't know how to explain it, mesmerized by this thing. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm by the road. You guys well, you're good. <laughs> you might hear some traffic. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to learn more about it. Um, whatever I could figure out. And I remember going to Cabela's in Dundee. We didn't even have the Cabela's in West Michigan yet. Yeah. Bought a uh, tally-ho call and went on some forums, watched some uh, videos, you know, the whole thing on how most people end up starting out predator hunting. Everything was out West. <laughs> and uh, I remember my first time on that tally-ho thinking, oh, man, I'm going to call this coyote. I go out there. I'm, I'm literally shaking. <laughs> with excitement that I'm going to call this coyote in, you know, and after talking to guys like, yeah, it's just that easy. You, you blow on this call and these things come busting out and you're going to shoot them. And that's, uh, that's been a Michigan joke for a long time. You can't just go out and whistle like you can in like Texas oh, it was, and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, I was, I, I don't know if I've ever shaked that much just <laughs> with anticipation of this creature, this canine coming out of the brush and, uh, Literally, literally running me over as, as I see in some of these videos. Out yeah, West. exactly. And, uh, and um, I think I was armed with a with a twenty two was what I had, and I'm like, this will do the trick. And uh, nothing happened. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Nothing happened when I was using that call, and probably that first full. I don't know. I think I started in February that year because it was right after deer season, and I had, by the time I got all my stuff and learned what I thought I needed to know about predator hunting. Um, I thought I was ready to go in late February and yeah, nothing happened for that first year, which gave me a good nine months or 10 months of trying to figure out how to do this. And uh, a few guys on, a, on that other forum that I was on, were talking about creating a uh, Michigan only kind of forum or club. And I think they, they phrased it more as a club. And uh, they, one of the guys had mentioned he had a website already and would use that as our home base, but nothing really came from it. So 
I had some real rudimentary web making uh, web creation skills and I uh, created a forum is more or less a uh, already a template. I didn't have to do a whole lot of the design, but just kind of on my own one day created it and uh, decided to put that out there. And next thing we knew we had like 30 of us on there and I, yeah. I was blown away by having 30 members on there. And uh, misconception is that I, you know, a lot of times guys create forums because they want to promote their coyote hunting. For me, it was the exact opposite. I knew absolutely nothing. And any information I did get was generally coming from out West. Yeah. These guys are calling areas with absolutely no cover. Uh, there's no houses, there's nothing. So, so I was, uh, that's what's initiated it all. It's kind of interesting to hear that the reason you got started in it was because you just happened to see one and wanted to learn more about it. Like yeah, a lot of yeah, people if, we talk to, it's like, you know, it started out as money making in their family, you know, years ago as trapping or, uh, fur harvesting oh. or protecting a flock of animals or cows, calves, oh, et cetera. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kevin flock of a flock, flock of cows. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> so, in michigan we got blocks of cows yeah exactly but that's that's how most people get started and like for me i i was into it for a while but then when my brother's deer got completely eaten overnight that's like when it triggered everything in me to be better at it so gotcha. to, hear, to hear that you just wanted to go learn and this is how this all came about was just by seeing one randomly and it surprises me to hear that at that point you still had never even heard one out there. No, no, absolutely not. I had purchased my house in November and uh, I don't, that was of 98. And I think this was a uh, 2001. I'd have to guess it's only been 20 some years, but um, honestly, if I would not have seen that coyote come out of the, the brush that day, pretty fair to say I would, none of this would have ever got started, not the forum and all that. And even my predator hunting, it was just that much um, of a coincidence or luck, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And then, I mean, going back to your first 30 members, I don't know if you're on any of the social media pages now for coyote hunting, but like not the, many, a few. Yep. the Michigan coyote hunting forum on Facebook is that like 16,000 now? Yeah, so exactly. It's exactly. not so much of a club anymore, Ben, as far as everybody <laughs> could get in, just come to the back door, the bouncer will let you in. That's that's, that's the club <laughs> nowadays. That's hilarious. It, it's amazing because, you know, 20 years in the hunting world is virtually a blink of the eye. Yeah. And um, when we got into it, because you were right around the same time I was, for the most part, there was absolutely nothing. And I think that's part of the reason the forum um, did as well as it did for as little, you know, as I, we promoted it and things. Um, it was the right place at the right time because there was a lot of guys that wanted to get into predator hunting, like myself, that absolutely didn't, you know, didn't, didn't have any uh, access to the resources that, or I don't know how to say it, there was no information in Michigan. <laughs> let's let's yeah. keep it at that. Compared you know to now, I mean? there was nothing. Yeah, there was one guy that I had met, a guy named Jason, who uh, he was a big help. He knew 
he had been calling for quite a while already at this time. And uh, he was a big asset to helping to get the forum going. And um, he was a good consultant if I ever had questions and things like that. But like I said, I knew absolutely nothing about these animals or how, what it took to hunt them or anything. I just, I usually get into the biology of the animal first before I hunt it. I like to know what makes it tick. And, uh, I knew zip, you know, for, for me growing up, I'm 48 years old and coyotes were a thing of the West. You know, I grew up a mile and a half away from where I live now. And I had never seen a track. I'd never heard a coyote. I nothing. So the fact that they were in my backyard was just fascinating to me. I mean, was that what your obsession with them was at that point? Was just knowing that they're around now? A lot of it was. A lot of it was um, this large canine predator that's living in my backyard. And, you know, hunting is just a natural part to get closer to animals sometimes. It's yep. not just to to eliminate them it's you you know you're you're part of the you're part of the system and i I think that's why you know the hunting aspect of it drew me to them um yeah just (laughs) i had a few other things that happened later on when i started calling that really kind of uh drove it home as far as why i wanted to uh, keep predator calling and uh get into the whole forum thing and all that it's it was pretty cool i mean (laughs) i didn't i've never seen an animal like this in the wild in southern michigan we don't have the bears we don't have the wolves we don't have anything really that's dangerous or anything else but all of a sudden there's this large canine living in my backyard just uh you know eating whatever it wants for the most part now, had you ever gone after like fox or anything before that? No, no. Um, in fact, it took me quite a few uh, years before I even called in a fox. Okay. Um, I think I've only called in maybe four red fox and shot one. Oh, really? What? Yeah, it wasn't. And I this is daytime. I rarely hunted at night, yeah. but. Uh, every once in a while, I would call in a fox, but yeah, it was really random would not see them gray. It was only red. So I never saw grays. I had never called in a gray. Do you remember who the first, let's say, you know, half dozen people were that joined the forum back in the day? <laughs> That's a good question. Cause I was wondering that I was thinking about that. I remembered uh, Dave Hill, mm-hmm. who I still talk to now. And I hope to uh, bear hunt with pretty soon, probably next year if we draw a tag, but Dave Hill was timber King. I believe he was on the other forum that I was at. Um, oh man! Other than that, I honestly do not do not remember who some of the other guys were. You were probably in the top forty, I would imagine, Josh. But uh, me? Wow, top forty. I, I think so. You were you were pretty early, maybe when... highest I've ever ranked in anything in life. <laughs> <laughs> You were there early. You were, yeah, you were what I consider one of the founding members and, you know, a, a stable part of the, of the forum. And that, um, that forum was always good because like you said, you could go anywhere. And for me, people that have heard the story, I watched a Randy Anderson video and said, I want to do that. 
Exactly. And yep. comparing a Randy Anderson video to a Michigan setup is not the same. So no. when you no. find a page like this, that it's all Michigan guys. And at that point, most of the people on your page, on your forum, were all riding the same struggle bus. Oh, exactly. And exactly. That was the, especially in zone three in Southern Michigan. Yep. Um, it's because we know those north, those northern, you know, north Michigan coyotes, <laughs> they start getting easier. Yeah, once you get into the uh, <laughs> rifle zone, it's it's they run you over pretty much. Exactly. When you come <laughs> Kevin just whistles out there. They come yeah. running. <laughs> no, but that that forum though, that's where there's so many friendships that came out of that page. Um, you and I included. I mean, I was it oh, the absolutely. week. The weekend before or the weekend after I got married, you and I were doing a carp shooting tournament over on oh, Lake yeah. Allegan. Yeah, um, and if I'm not mistaken, we won that tournament. We won it. What, three? One. It was a <laughs> length, length of fish only. You had called me and, hey, yeah. my brother has something going on. He yep. can't make it. Are you willing? I'm like, yeah, I can throw something together on one of my bows. And <laughs> I got a spool reel, you know, and the whole He's like, okay, yeah, you know, you're like, hey, come on out, and yeah, we did it, and I remember we shot that fish right away. Yep. And we're like, eh, you know, and I hadn't been really bow fishing a whole lot before that, a tiny bit. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty funny, yeah. And then we get back to the check-in, probably, man, it was. It was a long five day. Five hours later, yeah, it yeah. was like five or six hours later. It was hot, and and we went. And we're like, yeah, we only got this one, and they they measured it, and they're like, yeah, uh, yeah, you guys are in the lead. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. 15 minutes to go. <laughs> we're like, what? We couldn't believe it. The next thing we know, we had won that thing, and yep. that was a big tournament. There were guys from all over the. I don't know about the country, but <laughs> there, was... there were airboats and all these things, <laughs> and you had your you were borrowing some B bottom boat. My, my from dad's your dad or 14 somebody. foot aluminum <laughs> with a 20 horse Johnson on the back. I think it was we. Yeah, yeah we had uh, just rigged that thing up to make it a boat fishing boat, but you can't touch that. You can have forty, fifty thousand dollars into your boat, but I oh yeah, oh that was great. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I I didn't have much as far as uh bow fishing equipment at the time i got a ans reel and i think a few arrows and some stuff and i'm like hey i'm good to go so yeah that was sweet that was uh that was interesting on a side note that lake lake allegan is pretty interesting because most of those fish are small because they do do a lot of um they hire a group to come out and they'll pull like 40 or fifty thousand carp out of that lake every year so it's pretty interesting what do they do with them do you know fertilizer that's probably oh. it's on the internet if you uh do a do a google search as far as like lake allegan carp and it one of the first things that pops up gotcha Pretty no, cool. no that was one of the first things we ever really like got out and did together we had done some coyote hunting before um, oh yeah and i know you used to you used to do quite a bit of videotaping i remember one morning set up very vividly because i always just can <laughs> picture the field when we're looking yep. and that coyote comes running down the hill would be on probably the east side of that field. Yeah. Down across us into the ferns. And i we're like, I don't know, seventy-five yards apart or so, watching different parts yep. portions of the exactly. field. I hear boom and I'm like, Oh my god, I just saw somebody shoot their first coyote or the first <laughs> coyote I've ever seen, you know. And he ended up missing it, Kevin. He he, oh, yeah. he maped it, was... it before mapes was a thing. <laughs> Was it about 60 yards, probably 75, maybe, at max? But 
Oh, I had it on video. I still, I'm sure it's somewhere. I don't know what happened to that footage, but well, no, yeah, I, I blamed it. Go ahead. <laughs> I blamed it on the branch in front of me that I hit. But... I remember that. <laughs> but that yeah, happens a lot. Yeah, <laughs> corn stalks and all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, away. there was there was something in the way of the two two three, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> well, I remember one too. We had gotten the whirling woodpecker decoy. Yeah. And yep. you had footage of a coyote come blasting out, jumped into a pine tree or whatever tree you had that thing it and was tried pine. to grab it out of it. Yeah, that was miraculous. That was weird. That was only, um, it was actually on the block across the street from my own house. There was a piece of property I had permission for. And the coyotes were weird there they're almost like they were social i had bumped what i believe to be the same coyote walking into that setup it was an early at the time an early season probably september setup and there's tracks everywhere there's coyotes everywhere back in there there's a cornfield which a lot of the time they spent their uh their time in there just for protection or whatever and uh you had a lot of videos from that cornfield too yes yeah so yeah, I think I had bumped that same coyote out. I threw that. I'm like, oh, what the heck? I'll I'll give it another shot. And I stuck that whirling woodpecker on that pine tree. And I don't, I may have had an e-collar going. I, I was using one of those tiny little uh, Johnny Stewart kind of handheld three sounds, you know, in addition to a hand call. Yep. Mouth call. And um, it wasn't, it wasn't 30 seconds. There was no way. But that coyote just came busting out. It saw that woodpecker in it. Yeah, it launched a little ways. I still have the video, and it literally bit down on that woodpecker yep. and took off him. I was I had a twenty two mag, so there was not much. It actually the coyote actually ran past me. I would say six yards to my, on my <laughs> left shoulder. I it ran past me to get to that thing because it was down in this little creek bottom that was really thick. And yeah, it was pretty uh pretty cool footage. And I would put a camera i'm sure you saw that you i kind of got the idea from you and a couple other people but we would mount our cameras on our scopes with like a a c-clamp i got that idea from you because i needed the details on where you bought that c-clamp mount yeah i had a few of them i forget if it was uh was a rick rick palette with that was with randy anderson i think he kind of was doing that with the verminator Verminator, yeah. Yep. So I think that's where I got the actual idea. He was using a little bit larger of a camera, but a lot of the the hunts I had filmed, the recoil of the two two three would shut the camera. <laughs> so I learned you gotta you gotta shut your viewfinder, or you gotta twist your viewfinder so it wouldn't shut. So yep. the footage starts out great, you know, everything is lining up. Then when you shoot the the clamp, the camera turns off, and it kind of sucks, but. It's amazing how far we've gotten since that point in time. Oh, now it's astronomical. Push, push a button on your scope and you've got all the video you want. Oh, I know it. I know it. It's, <laughs> it's something else. I know it was, I think it was 05 when I first filmed my first coyote coming in. It was uh, September again. I. It was weird. I missed the week before and I got a little bit of this coyote on, on camera. It was on public land and, um, went out the same week i believe it was a young coyote maybe even a pup and uh the second time it actually came in i was able to get a shot on it i think it was an old man jvc i don't know if they're still around but 
probably weighed a pound and a half. <laughs> and if you, you tilt, tilted your rifle one way or another, it's going to twist your gun yep. around. So you kind of had to have a good grip on your gun, but it worked. You know, you're going to have a little bit of a jolt in the footage, but other than having a cameraman o- over your shoulder, uh, this was the best method I could I could come up with. Right, right. Now, you haven't really been doing a whole lot of coyote hunting as far as I've seen. I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> We're friends on Facebook and everything. Oh, yeah. It, it looks like you've slowed down on that and kind of gone a completely different direction because all I see from you now is giant carp. <laughs> all the time, giant carp. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I was thinking of this, how I got into carp fishing initially. Um, I remember when I have a twin brother who really isn't into the outdoors, believe it or not. But, I never uh, knew that. Yeah, I did. you would never guess because he's not really into the outdoors. He, he was in sports and all that other stuff. But as far as hunting and fishing, he never it never really took. So anyway... He once in a while, he would uh, kind of join along on our outdoor adventures. And uh, there's a lake down the road from where I grew up. And somehow, I don't know if he hooked onto it or one of the other brothers set up the pole. And regardless, he reeled in a probably an eight-pound carp from this lake down the road. And it was the, the craziest thing we had ever seen. You know, we couldn't believe it. So we're parading this carp around the, the neighborhood and all that. And, and I always thought, like, man, he he's caught the biggest fish out of uh, before me. And I got into my twenties and I'm like, I don't think I've broken eight pounds with a catfish or anything. Right. And uh, um, then the whole bow fishing thing we got into and uh, had a great time doing that. But eventually that kind of faded out, um, kind of lost interest in that. Just, just a lot of work and, it's still, you know, it's a management tool for some of these fish in certain lakes, but boat fishing for, the most for part, me got to the point where it was just costing too much to be worth yeah. anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it just it's a lot of work, you know, to go out at night and especially if you got a full time job and um and I know you have your, your kids and everything, it's like, man, that's a lot of work to go <laughs> Hang out. On. Kevin, what underneath. are you laughing at? I want to know a comparison. How much money Other than you coyote hunting. Hey, hey, boat fishing? Hey, How much do you hey, have? Hey, we're not getting into this. We're, <laughs> we're not getting into these weeds. But you, you, I, you didn't. I didn't go out bow fishing and meet cool landowners. I didn't go no, out bow fishing no. and and be able to <laughs> give a skull to somebody to clean up to put on their wall at their house. I went right. out bow fishing to fill up a dumpster full of carp, dig a big hole spend the money to fill up the gas tank in the boat and the truck and buy all the lights and the generator. It just got <laughs> to where it was just stupid. I mean, it was fun. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. A, Euro- a European of a fish might be kind of cool to put on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny little bones sticking together. Good luck. <laughs> no, it just, you know, I enjoyed doing it. And Kevin, you and I, I think I was the one that took you your first time ever doing that. Yeah. And it, it just, it got to be pricey. Yes. Coyote hunting is no cheaper really, but look at how, <laughs> look at how often I'm even doing that right now. So exactly everything, but... once it, once it's more affordable, I'll go back to doing everything again. <laughs> got to pick I'm, and choose your hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but I always wanted to fish for carp. I had heard stories and, um, I just honestly thought it was too difficult. It just, 
I had talked to an older brother that used to do it. I have an older brother that used to carp fish and he'd like, yeah, we just uh, wrap our hooks in dough balls and you throw it out. And, but uh, I had tried a few times, very, very similar to coyote hunting. I tried a few times with no luck and I'm like, okay, something's going on and kind of gave up on it. And um, there was a show on one of the outdoor channels that I get called Monster Carp and it's from uh, mainly set in England, but these guys travel around the country or I take that back. They travel around the world and uh, fish for carp in all these different locations. And they came to the U S a few times and uh, I actually learned a little bit about carp fishing and figured out the different types of rigs and setups and stuff. And I had tried it. And finally I had caught a carp on purpose. <laughs> and after that, I'm like, this is possible. This is cool. I've always been, int- I don't know why I just, I just like the common carp, you know, not obviously not the Asian carp or the silver carp or any of that stuff. That's, that's super invasive, but the common right. carp is uh, pretty you, interesting. What's that? When you say like them, do you eat carp? No, no. That's like catching them. That's the number one question I think we get on the bank is, yeah, we catch them and release them just kind of like bass or whatever, you know, you generally aren't going to fry up your your six pound bass hopefully Lies. not but i, I do. do i'm sure the fish right but ben, i don't know what happens a... up in muskegon but <laughs> there is a uh video on the meat eater youtube channel um pardon my plate and they do a cart yeah yeah it's totally edible i mean i thought that that's what all your how, fish were <laughs> that is how the carp yeah that is how the carp ended up here in the u.s in the first place was European settlers were used to eating carp in Europe and they didn't have it. So they began to import it in as a food source. Okay. Initially, that's how it got here. It wasn't always here. This this is the common, you know, your common carp. Um, but it was imported in in the 1800s as a food source for early American settlers. Um, and the next thing you know, it's, you know, it's in every river and every pond and every lake we have and uh, some good and some bad, you know, uh, carp fishing is kind of taken off, if you will, kind of like coyote hunting was. There's quite a few people that are getting into it. It's it's mainly a European fishing. Uh, I don't know. It it's kind of like their bass, our, our bass fishing is kind of like their carp fishing in Europe. Most of Europe, I've met guys from all over, uh, from Bulgaria to England, uh, the Netherlands, whatever they are into carp. And so, I'm actually m- met a couple guys from Poland the last, uh, two weeks ago. And they were, all they cared about was fishing for carp and, uh, it's coming over here and it's getting more and more popular. What is the addiction to, to the carp i mean is it just the fight or is it outsmarting them yeah it's sometimes they're easy to catch you know you just put a little bit of corn on a it's called a hair rig it's a little bit different rig generally you don't put corn right on the hook or whatever type of bait you can and you can still catch them that way but generally we use what's called a hair rig which is a piece of line coming off the hook um if you ever watch carp feed they're able to suck up the food, everything, the the sediment, whatever's on the bottom, reject the bad stuff and keep the good stuff. So the hair rig allows them to do this, uh, keep the bait, and with the rejection, they get hooked on the bottom lip. I've been carp fishing probably four years now, and I've 
never had a carp swallow a hook or anything. And once in a while you could get a foul hook, but it's pretty rare with this type of rig. So um, the size of them is kind of the, you know, if you ever used to watch the Jeremy Wade river monster shows and things like that, he was a, he was a former carp fisherman in Germany and things. And you can get fish. My, my PB is 35 and a half pounds and uh, state record is something like 60. So it's pretty hard to find a fish that big in in Michigan that you can fish for. Um, so I assume for yeah. the real challenge, you're using an ultralight and like four pound test, <laughs> yeah, working the yeah. drag. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that. My first couple uh, setups were pretty close because I didn't really have any good carp fishing equipment, and I would just use what I had. And yeah, I quickly found out that it's not going to work. You gotta. If you hook onto something over twenty pounds, you got to have the right equipment, or you're going to be in trouble. So, it's... Now, do you, do you just reel them straight in, or do you have to fight them and wear them out just like every other fish? It really pretty much in the middle. I mean, you got to carp are probably the smartest fish I've ever caught as far as getting themselves into snags. So oh, really? if there's a snag nearby, they know where it is. Um, obviously, they don't know what a hook is. They don't know what fishing line is. They don't know what an angler is, but they know when something isn't right, they're going to go to the cover, much like every other animal out there. And if there's a, let's say, some deadfall in the water or some stumps, they're going to go right towards that. I don't know if they think that that hook is a, you know, a parasite or lamprey or something, but they're going to get wrapped around something. And yeah, that's kind of like dogfish. Yeah. It seems like you hook into a dogfish, they go straight down into the nastiest thing. Yeah, they get into. yeah, they know what they're doing exactly, and they know what they're doing. And like you say if you got light tackle or whatever, you're gonna have a real rough time. I've I've been to a spot that I hooked up ten times and caught and landed one fish, and oh. it was it was ridiculous, you know. And it's frustrating because you never know, and you you never know how big this fish is gonna be, and um we have there's different variations of carp there's the mirror carp and um which is a it's a long long story well how the mirror carp got started but it's basically a a bred carp to not have scales back in europe in like the man, early 1800s or whatever and they came here that that gene or whatever is still in carp today especially in, in, in the united states or wherever else so you'll once in a while, I'll catch a carp that has missing scales and uh, or doesn't have scales at all. You think there's actually something wrong with it, but it's it's just a trait that has been passed on. So, are carp are, and are carp and suckers in the same family? No, okay. nope. That's a separate separate family. Um, generally, your carp. Uh, I'm going to screw this up, but the the cyprid is the Latin term, I believe, and you got your koi goldfish uh common carp there's grass carp uh, big head uh the buffalo i don't think you we don't really have a whole lot of buffalo down here you know in michigan um you get further south you get the big head buffalo i believe those are in a separate family uh they may be closer to a soccer but i'm not 100 sure on that but uh yeah there's uh there's a quite a good community of guys that actually do it i've met a few guys in the area as i got more serious about it and they were a lot of help and um bow fishing uh, at that point after i started learning like how fun it can be to catch one on the on a hook and line it's like man 
I would hate to shoot one of these big 30 pounders that I could catch on a pole, but, uh, it was, a it's a lot of fun. You know, sometimes you'll have like any other type of fishing you'll have. I was blanked all weekend. I went twice. I didn't catch a single carp, but weekend before, I think I was up to like four or five, you know, and usually they're gonna, they're gonna make you work for it. They're not just a little fish. You just drag right in. You can, you can try to set up your, you know, your system and your poles and everything to uh, be a little heavy, but um, you got to kind of look at the the area and everything else that you're in and see what works. Like I said, as far as snags, that's the biggest thing for me. I'll use heavier equipment in more snaggy areas. When you're targeting carp, what other fish are you likely to catch using the <laughs> methods and everything that you? Channel cats. That's the, the number one. You're going to get channel cats. Um, Kalamazoo River, I get a lot of channel cats, especially early. If you start early in the morning, you know, six, seven in the morning, your first few bites, a lot of times are channels, um, which I don't mind. I, I had been fishing for channel cats for a long time. I would rather have a big carp, but if I can pull in a nice, you know, 15 pound or 10 pound channel, okay, you know, at least to, keep it interesting but the other issue is we pre-bait a lot meaning we put out a lot of uh chum if you will a corn mainly corn is oats and things like that you'll start out with you'll put a bunch of it out and kind of fish in that area but the catfish can come in there and just kind of clean it up real quick but now would you eat any catfish out of that river i never have okay. um would i yeah why not you know maybe one or two but uh overall i would not fish for cats just to to eat them out of the kalamazoo based on what i've been told but i don't think it's that bad if you have one or two but i don't know from what they I, say I, you shouldn't eat them at all i've been wanting to get some fresh caught catfish but i know nothing about them um just mm -hmm. because i've had them i had them one time a long time ago and i think they were store-bought from somewhere Sure. I, I just don't feel like that's going to be a realistic no, uh, version was, of what it yeah, actually is. Right. Uh, obviously, the Grand is kind of in the same category as the Kalamazoo, but um, uh, I was down in uh, Oklahoma this winter. Me and, you know, Cal, uh, Cal Dittmar, we mm -hmm. were down there doing some feral hog hunting. He's the guy, from, he's from Indiana, wrapping pool and all that. And, uh, he used uh, what's called a limb line, which is legal down there, where you basically tie a line to the, yeah. the tree limb hanging over the water. That's how and they gator was, hunt, too, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's very similar to that. And he was pulling in some nice cats. You'd go check them in the morning, and, uh, yeah, we ate uh, catfish on our a hog hunt, and, man, that was probably some of the best fish I've ever had. Now, do you know what yeah. kind of catfish they were? Just channels, channel cat. Okay, so I, I I know there's a couple different versions of them. Um, the ones that I most often have caught are the bullhead, and I don't oh, know okay. if they're worth eating or not. I don't know. I've never heard of anybody eating bullhead. Generally, they're a little bit smaller, you know, than your your channel cats. And um, flathead is the next one up. That's the large predatory catfish, um, which are pretty. That's a whole other thing. They're really cool to catch, but. I would, you know, if I caught a 30 pound channel or flathead, I'd probably throw it back just because it was such a, yeah. such a prehistoric beast. But I would totally eat the catfish out of Lake Makatawa. Believe it or not, I had spoken to somebody when I was carp fishing there one day, um, 
a lady that her brother did some kind of water test and presented it to some guy. Don't really know the details, but she told me, yeah, the water is still, it's clean here. It's good enough to eat fish out. Of. So do you trust that? There's plenty of cats in Lake Mac. Do you trust that Ben living up right around there? <laughs> the one thing everybody I, I would probably all, eat a couple. Everybody always called it Lake Mac a toilet. When we're I Hollanders, so we know. Exactly. Lake Mac a toilet. We're, we're both Kevin doesn't maybe understand. We're Hollanders and we know about them. So <laughs> we don't we generally, I don't know. I mean, there's so many guys that ice fish out of there and take perch and everything and uh, are fine with it. Um, <laughs> I guess a young really catfish, only one way I to would eat. Exactly. I would eat one of these, you know, anything over eight pounds. It's been around for half a decade and it's been collecting a lot of, uh, I don't know what they call it, the PCBs or whatever it is, the, yeah. the mercury and all those things that can add up in the fat of a, of a fish. But for the most part, yeah, I think, I think they're fine. Um, cool, super cool fish. I mean, they're, they're quite prevalent. Now, but, now for a time, a couple of years ago, you were starting to work on training a dog, right? Uh, yeah. My last dog, who passed away it'll be two years in december i believe already really um yeah it's yeah it's already almost probably going to be two years um wasn't that dog's did, name bucky yeah it was bucky yeah he did a lot of blood trailing and he was just kind of naturally good at it i didn't do a whole lot uh, i noticed his nose to the ground he was a super mutt i mean he you really didn't have the pedigree of what you would consider a blood tracking dog at all. He was part chow, uh, part boxer, uh, and a million other things. So, but when we take walks or go into the woods, his nose was to the ground. He knew anything and everything that had, you know, walked by. You could just tell he was processing a lot. So, uh, naturally, I just tried to, um, I would get some blood and I'd watched a few videos. I ordered a, uh, I think it's dog, it's called dog bone, but they had kind of like an introductory dog training kit, if you will, with some deer hide and some uh, scent and whatnot. But, uh, I would practice with them around the yard and some other places. And, uh, yeah, he would always get to the, uh, to the end result to the deer or whatever I would, a lot of times I would use one of my 3D targets and just lay it out in the yard and make a blood trail. And, and uh, yeah, he was really really good at it. And um, he did a few trails. Uh, a friend of mine from down the road, his son had shot a, a doe and took him out. And he, he did really well on it. He ended up finding the deer. Not that we probably went to found it on our own, but it was more of a training exercise. But, yeah, uh, yeah he did really well with it. Um I can't take any of the credit of that. It was, it was really him. He knew how to do it from, from birth. Uh, I had shot a deer at one of our, my leases down, down South in Bangor. And I had already found the deer and I had called my brother and say, Hey, bring Bucky down and let's see if he can find this. So you got to 
first you got to wonder if he's following your tracks or not but uh, a lot of times when you have these dogs even if you you know you bring your own you know your house dog along to help with a track it may seem like they're off the track which there may be actually blood that the dog is not on top of but you got to remember that scent blows you right. know one way or another direction and there are as long as they're in that that scent cone they're going to be fine so a lot of times yeah he'd be taking these huge loops i'm like he doesn't know what he's doing but ultimately they come back to it so you kind of have to trust their nose and uh yeah it was a good asset it's uh he ended up getting a kidney failure at about eight which was pretty early i guess but um yeah, he had uh, he had Lyme at one point, but I believe it was due to an infection or something like that. But yeah, he's a great dog. He was real smart. I'm, we're, I have a new dog that's uh, very similar. Um, both of them are shelter dogs, and uh, working with him, I don't know if he has quite the nose that old Bucky had, but yeah. uh, I'm still working with him and seeing he's he's got a lot of time to figure it out. And if any of us have any blood trails to follow, I'll probably I'll bring him along and see what he can do. Man, I I didn't know that Bucky had passed away. It seemed like he yeah. wasn't even that. You hadn't even had him for a few yeah, it years. Yeah, didn't seem but... like it. it was eight. It was eight years, eight full years. Jeez, but okay. uh, he, yeah, he, uh, like I said, he ended up getting a, a kidney disease. Um, not, I don't know if it was part of the Lyme that he ended up having, or if it was something different. He, I think he has some. He had some infection, like a mouth infection or something, but. Yeah, I don't know. He never know. He was all up to date on all his shots. He went to every vet visit he was supposed to, and you just never know what's going to happen sometimes with him. But yeah, he still did. He was a really good dog for for a good eight years. So I was yeah. pretty happy with him. Yep. Now you're yeah. also uh, starting to get into traditional archery. I know we yes. talked about it a little bit. Oh yeah. So. yeah, especially this time of the year. You know, it's <laughs> deer season is right around the corner. Literally here in Michigan in October first. Super close, and I am super oh. excited for deer season. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, you're probably in the same boat as I am. I don't know, I'm extra extra excited this year, and uh, any archers that for whatever reason I'm sure have the same uh, <laughs> the same bug as that we do, but uh, yeah, I more or less switched to trad traditional archery recurve longbow type of thing. Um, it's, I don't know how to explain it. Same kind of thing where I was walking around. I had a buddy that shot tread. He was a new hunter. He really had never shot a compound. He never hunted deer with a gun, but he decided that he wanted to hunt with a traditional bow. And I'm like, yeah, you're crazy. Good luck. (laughs) You know, you're never going to kill a deer. So, but I'm like, Hey, I'll, I'll get one. You know, I've always been interested in it. There's a show in Kalamazoo that I I had always gone to, even though I didn't technically own a traditional bow, but I always went to it anyway. Um, I had some friends that own a bow company, St. Joe river bows and David and Tracy. Yep. So I would see them. They were on a, a different forum that I would frequent and, uh, their bows were awesome and always wanted one. And I would talk to them and, uh, someday I'm like, someday I'm going to buy one of your bows, you know, I'm going to get into this, but, uh, buddy would, we would go up North and I'm like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to have just a traditional archery weekend. We'll go up with our, you know, recurves or longbow, whatever you have and, and just kind of hang out and go back to the basics. So I bought a cheap Martin, remember what was called like a Bengal or something for eBay for like 80 bucks. Uh, but 
that was enough. When I'd walk around with that bow, there was kind of a different feeling with that bow than my compound. I, it's hard to explain the, I think it was just the simplicity of it. Um, but it was cool. It was a cool experience. Um, I was always led to believe that I couldn't shoot any further than say 12 yards with a recurve or a long bow, but that's not true. Yeah. Uh, I was like, man, these bows, you know, they can, they can zip an arrow pretty well, pretty fast. So we would go up and yeah, I'd never shot anything, but, uh, before I knew it, I was, I bought a, a St. Joe river and some other bows I had bought that I'd, um, was interested in. And, uh, it's fun shooting them. I, my compound, I, I still have, I didn't sell it. I'm going to keep it. Um, but honestly, just shooting in the backyard was more of a chore and just making sure everything was, was working properly. Uh, shooting the, the trad bows, the recurves and the long bows was more of an athletic event, more fun. We'd go out and there's, there's so many organizations between the Compton and Michigan traditional bow hunters, and there's all kinds of them and they'll have events and, you can walk through the woods and they have targets and it was a whole different uh, group of people, you know, it's kind of a tight knit group. You, you kind of end up knowing everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And there's not, there's times where I wish I had my compound, I think, or I had deer just out of range, you know, that I think I could have reached out with a compound, but uh, it's a whole different feeling with that, with a traditional bow. It's hard to explain unless you really do it. It's just kind of based back to the basics. And uh, I like the flight of the arrow out of them. You know, it's, you feel more connected to the arrow. Uh, I've only killed two deer, I think, with my, my trad bow, two does. But it's a, it's a different feeling with a traditional bow because it's, it's more, uh, it's more personal. Yeah not that it's easy with a compound or even a crossbow i've i've done compound hunting for over 20 years i know it's how difficult it is um it's not easy with any kind of archery equipment but there's just something a little bit different with that that trad bow and i had been getting older and i you know been hunting a long time with the compounds and um i have no no problem with pulling it out again and shooting it i i enjoy the compound bow it's 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 a really cool piece of equipment, but there's something a little bit different. You know, it's a little bit more training, a little bit more hand-eye coordination. Um, it's a little bit, a little more of a tight knit community with the, yeah. with the trad stuff. And, uh, it kind of appealed to me and yeah, I've been, uh, I don't know, probably five years already. I've been using trad exclusively, maybe four. I don't know. Oh, what are you using for an arrow setup from that? Are you using like a tradi traditional style arrow setup or are you using more modern stuff set up for traditional? Um, it's, I would probably consider it more modern. Um, I have wood arrows. Uh, a lot of times cedar is probably the most popular traditional arrow. Uh, the only issue with cedar is once you cut it, you're, you're kind of stuck with the way, same with, with carbon, but switching heads you know your, your your points out is a little more difficult involves glue and things switching from a, a field say a field point to a broadhead yep um wood arrows do fly really you know generally fly a little bit better than some of your carbons but i uh, i pretty much use carbons just for the uh the, the ease of use or i can switch the heads out i can 
I have a little more freedom with them. I actually um, am field staff with a with a group called Whitewater Archery, guy down down in uh, Oklahoma, and uh, he does a lot of arrow wraps for whatever trad to you know compound. Uh, you could probably even put them on crossbow bolts, but um, a lot of customized anything you want and uh even even field points to whatever so he um he started making arrows himself or having somebody make them for him and they're carbon but they have a wood skin so they look like they're wood yep and uh been using those and they fly great and uh yeah they're a little bit easier i like i like wood arrows but uh once you you know you shoot them once or twice into something you got to be real careful that oh, that's true. Just the same with carbon, but carbon generally are a little more durable, I would think. So, now are you shooting a like a heavy two blade broadhead out of your traditional setup, or are you with a modern broadhead? I this year I'm going to use a traditional two blade, um, double bevel broadhead. Uh, Simmons Tiger Sharks, I think you probably you may have seen those, they're they're ridiculous, they're huge, but yep. uh. They fly really well for how simple they are, and uh, it's kind of a more of a primitive head, as far as I see it. Um, just like your compound, you can get away with whatever flies the best, you know. And I've used you know, two blades with cutters. I've used uh, and just uh, smaller single bevel heads, or just whatever can you know. You know, it's going to hit and going to cut through that through that hide through that animal because. Your feet per second are quite a bit lower than your yeah. compounds. Uh, yeah. You're going to have a lot of deer. I had that issue. My first, I've missed a lot due to deer ducking the arrow. And that is something I wasn't used to, you know, being a compound shooter. These deer can duck your arrow really fast. So you you have to aim low. You have to aim for those, you know, the lower section. And uh, unless you want to hit high and or miss. And I'm figuring that out. So it's uh it's a pretty common thing when you're when you're hunting it's one thing to shoot at a target you know and that doesn't duck but right we know how we know how wary the white tailed deer is and uh they figured out how to duck arrows somehow <laughs> <laughs> yeah just like they've figured out to look up in trees at towards december too <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so they're they're onto us but and yeah oh it's a lot of fun like i say we i've met a lot of people through the traditional archery community and um a lot of fun uh social events and things like that and you kind of need a support group when you shoot trad and you, you got a buck at 35 yards that you could smoke with your compound and you gotta <laughs> let it walk <laughs> so you, you need a support group to call it's like oh i had a buck at 35 but i couldn't shoot it so. well you just let me know when you need a second guy in the tree one of us oh, will yeah. have each, hey, each different boat <laughs> i'm uh <laughs> I'm not against that. <laughs> did, did you ever shoot any coyotes while you were deer hunting? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, uh, let's see, three. I think I've taken with the bow, or one, one with a gun, with two with a bow. Uh, missed a few. I know that. And I still am trying to get one. I'm hoping. Like I sit up in a tree all the time. Like I don't care if a coyote runs by me right now because <laughs> I would love to shoot one. But they will yeah. pick you off in a tree oh, man. incredibly quickly. It's something. Yeah. And I <laughs> it's something else. You know, it's most people that are probably listening and everything understand what you know, the coyotes, their senses and everything else. But 
it's uh it's something else. A deer if you think a deer's senses are remarkable, just wait. You know, these coyotes <laughs> are gonna they know what you're doing before you do it. So Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh I had I'm trying to think. I shot two with the bow. One was harassing some turkeys that were coming down from the roost. I actually lip squeaked that one in. This was quite a while ago. And I was able to hit that one. And I had another one come in that was actually at that cornfield where the one that attacked the the decoy we had talking about. I got one there. Um I had missed probably three or four as well that were coming in. So yeah, I always keep a, a predator call accessible on the pack yep you see them you know you're gonna see them last few two years or so i haven't seen a whole lot but it goes in 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 cycles like anything else you'll have some years where they're just simply everywhere and other years where you won't see a single one yeah i know the year that i shot that big eight point i think that was 2019 you guys said that you and your nephew were talking about how many you guys have been seeing in one particular area so I knew you you guys saw a lot of them. I just didn't know if you were ever successful at taking one while deer Yeah, I had missed one that year. I remember specifically it was a chip shot, but they're they're just, uh, they're hard enough to hit with a rifle, let alone a bow. And uh, the thing came in perfect. And I had heard it for a long time behind me, just making some noise. It almost sounded like a squirrel. I don't, I do not know what it was doing. But the next thing I know, there it was kind of, alongside me and i lip squeaked and stopped it and sent an arrow at it and it went way over its back (laughs) (laughs) you just i don't know and you know you you just coyotes are one of the hardest things to hit ever so i'm pretty sure that's what happens when i miss with my rifles they ducked it (laughs) they know that bullet's coming (laughs) (laughs) kevin don't laugh at me i would not uh, yeah (laughs) if anything could do it a coyote can do it so if there's any animal in the world it's going to be a coyote so (laughs) Well, Ben, you got any big plans for 2023 season? Ah, uh, this year is going to be a little bit of a down season. I'm gonna, I want to get up north a few times. My brother has a little bit of land up by Cadillac, and um, it butts up to a ton of uh, federal land, which mm-hmm. really cool, cool area. It's a little bit different. The bucks aren't quite as big as they are down here generally, but um, hunting pressure seems pretty low, and uh, a free place place to stay and it looks really like a really cool place to hunt i was up there once last year saw quite a few to, few deer um didn't get any opportunities but uh no bear hunt this year i don't know if kevin's still hanging with us if he got a tag or not you're talking about me yeah did you get oh, a bear yeah. tag this year? yeah we're leaving oh. uh next friday oh awesome and is that uh baraga i forget where you go amaza Oh, Amos, Amasa or Amasa, whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay. However you want to pronounce it. I'm sure in Indian it's Amaza. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, don't know. I have no idea. I've heard it pronounced like four different ways. And right. yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm hoping for a Minnesota tag next year um, with Dave Hill, who is a member of the forum. Yep. That was that Timber King. Um, he lives in Minnesota now. So we're hoping as a, as a group we can draw a tag. Um, great place to bear hunt. Um, Joe's over there right now. What's that? Our guy Joe Mainz is over there right now. Oh, okay. Get a bear. Yeah, it, it's super cool. They they do not have um, restrictions on non-residents, so you can apply just like a resident, and you're in the same boat. Whereas Michigan, you know, if you're a non-resident, you're kind of pushed to the to the back. 
and it takes a little bit longer to draw a tag. So if you're a non-resident, but up there, it doesn't matter if you're resident or non-resident. So, and it's a big state and there's a ton of bear. Wow. Really cool area. They only have a two week baiting season where you can bait ahead of time, but. Now, Kevin, but, uh, you've been getting any reports from where you're going? Are they seeing them? I haven't heard a peep yet. They just went up last week. Uh, I think they left like Monday or Tuesday. Um, so they, they've been up there, but I haven't heard any reports yet. Okay. Yeah, you, the, you guys usually do pretty well up there. Yeah. We've filled our tags every time we've been up for the past three seasons. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty good. I've taken one bear out of four attempts in Michigan and, uh, yeah, it's not easy, especially anywhere in Michigan, you know, it's, it's a, it's a struggle, but I will say I've, I've been up to the UP to bear hunt five times and I've seen bear every single time. The yeah, first, that's awesome. the first two times I went up, I didn't see one that either was legal to shoot because it was a sow with cubs or it just seemed kind of small to me. So I let him walk. Okay. Sure. Um, but the past three times we've been up, I've, I've taken bear each time. And, um, yeah, I mean, twice, twice it was pretty much within the first day or two of season yeah that's really cool now kevin yeah, it's not easy kevin in michigan and i don't know if it's uh like united states wide or not you cannot shoot a sow with cubs correct in michigan you cannot i don't know about any other states uh, no. a lot of states is is the same um sometimes they'll actually i think minnesota they they put a weight restriction on the bear, like something like 75 pounds. Yeah. There, there so is... that kind of protects, you know, it's going to protect the sow, the cubs, not as much as the sow, but. And I think there is a guideline in Michigan too, that you can't shoot a cub. And I don't know if they classify that by weight or body length or what. Right. I know that I don't know some that are frowned upon. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you have a sow come in, are you, are you automatically going to know that she's got cubs? I mean, are they just always right there next to her? Not from what I've heard. I mean, when I seen the sow with cubs when I was up there, that was my second time up there. Um, if I remember right, the cubs came in first and then the sow followed. Um, yeah. The sow never really came to the bait other than to open it up for the cubs. And then she pretty much circled the bait while the cubs, there was, mm. I think it was three cubs. Um, she just circled while the cubs tore into the bait and then something, I don't know what spooked them and they all took off. Oh, wow. Um, but that's only sow I've seen with cubs. So okay. I, I've yeah. limited experience on that. That sounds, yeah, I've, I've never seen a sow with cubs come in, um, but. I think that's pretty predictable with, you know, your trail cam picks and stuff like that. You can see a lot of times you'll have a bunch of little, you know, the cubs coming in and feeding and there'll be a saw just off camera or whatever. And they, they wait just like, kind of like a deer back when we could bait, you know, the, the fawns come running into your bait pile and the, the doe would always kind of hang back and wait to make sure it's safe and things like that. So yeah, it's it's just, exactly. Send the babies in first. <laughs> I didn't like that kid anyway. That's I had... why I don't really have a problem with shooting a doe with fonts. I'm like, she was, was going to murder her own kids anyway if she had the choice. We've been, uh, I've been playing fawn distress ball coyote hunting quite a bit this year. 
And I've I've called in a lot of fawns, but then you get the other ones that stand back there and just watch. And you're like, they're just sitting back there, like, well, whatever, another one gone. Yeah, there's more food for us. Oh so well. <laughs> yeah, that works. I I've used that in uh, in that early doe hunt, which is this weekend we have in Michigan. I've yep. used a uh, a fawn distress sound and had a coyote just bolt right in, and it was underneath the tree stand and. I think I was using a shotgun at that time and totally missed the thing and other than a little bit of fur, but yeah, it's a good oh. time. If you're, if you, it's kind of a dual hunt, if you, if you're willing to play a distress sound. So Josh isn't the only one missing them with a shotgun. Shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I had a slug. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's understandable. <laughs> oh, I should see, have been using is... some number four or something, but yeah. This is going to turn into a roast mapes episode here. I yeah. See. Oh, no. No, it's. <laughs> oh. No, Kevin, I, I should they... actually consider that this weekend. I'm going to take my mom out for that early dough. I should put, oh, sweet. put Fawn Distress out there playing for a few minutes and see what happens. Yeah, you, know, you never know. Even this you past weekend, I had some does respond to Fawn Distress. So should try why not? It. Be worth yeah. a shot. You got, you got coyotes, you got. You got does that are going to come in territorial and everything else. So and for anybody know. listening, yes, it is legal in Michigan to use an electronic call for a deer. Yes. You can look that's, it up. Uh, I remember that question often on the forum that uh, if we could use electronic callers for deer. And believe it or not, most people didn't know that. But, yeah, it is totally legal. Well, didn't it used deer. to be illegal? I don't know. I had never – I don't think it was ever in the books. It was one of those things like, nobody ever did so don't they ask, never really had to make a make a law about it but uh yeah no no other than say turkey ducks and some of the you know your your game birds and things you pretty much almost everything else is is pretty much uh, okay in michigan to use a bear you can use it and i know in pennsylvania we can't or when i, I was planning on going there you can't use electronic call on on bear over there but or bait, but in pennsylvania they have kind of stricter rules but yeah it varies from state to state state, that's interesting i wonder what state uh abner drunkenmiller was in then because he did an episode for fox pro where they called in a bear using a fox pro i wonder where that was at then i don't know yeah i know he was originally from um yeah he's from pa other pa but can you call uh, bear here kevin yeah oh yeah do that Because the people I go with, we rely on baits, hmm. and that's just what we run. Um, I know, you know, guys that have done it successfully, but, you know, if, if I couldn't bait, that'd probably be something I would try, but, I mean, sure. when you're baiting, there's really no need to. Yeah, yeah. It's, they are, uh, they don't really, from what I've seen, come running in or anything. They're going to, they're going to take their Slow time. And and, yep. Yeah, it's uh it is a, a a tactic that can be used but right. i've thought about trying it in a few different places especially if your bait is getting hit but say late at night you know they're bare around that just aren't getting up and trying something different to to mix it up a little bit but i know <laughs> dave dave hills called in bears in the up uh, early early coyote hunting he's had a few bears come in stuff like that so 
See, I've never accident. called never called around predators that could kill me if they wanted to. So <laughs> besides up north where the wolves are. Like say, yeah, wait, yeah. A minute, wait a minute. What about the German shepherds? Come oh up. man, the German shepherd. Ben, <laughs> that that video is probably still floating around somewhere. Yeah, I, I think I have a copy of it on my uh, on my channel somewhere, but Kevin, I think oh, you've heard that gosh. story probably. Yeah, I, I seen the video not too long ago, oh. even. Uh, so, it's the video doesn't do it justice. <laughs> ben took me out to a property <laughs> to coyote hunt one morning, and it was like first light, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And we were like calling towards really thick, brushy stuff, and we were behind a couple houses. And I don't remember, we weren't that far in, but all of a sudden we could like, like the brush was moving, or we could hear stuff <laughs> coming in front of us or something. Yeah, you were you were kind of behind me on the two track, and yeah. uh, I was just a little further, and we were kind of watching that that brushy stuff. And, and <laughs> so we all of a sudden start. I don't remember if we hear something or if what. I don't remember what it was, but within seconds, I have was it two or three? Three German shepherds three. in my lap. Like oh, they were within three foot. Like I could have poked I them. Oh my gosh. I could have poked them with the shot. Oh, it was. <laughs> I've never seen so much restraint in my life uh, as far as not shooting something that he probably had every right to shoot. Oh, my gosh. And then. Cause... <laughs> so then this lady comes walking out. Her dogs are barking. She was on a me. golf cart. She was, was she? on a golf cart. She parked it, I think, and came walking. But she and... did have a golf cart, I believe. I think. She... <laughs> she says. Oh, I'm sorry. I heard noises back here, so I let the dogs go out. She's like, "Are you guys after the coyote?" Yeah, the coyote is back here. We're gonna get it. And didn't wasn't that like the second time that lady had done something like that to you, Ben? I don't know. I just I just remember I was a little bit further down on the two track and turned to see me getting my face mauled yeah i didn't turn anything (laughs) i didn't hear anything until those dogs were barking you know and you know what kevin you obviously know what german shepherds sound like and just three of them and i turn and josh has got three german shepherds at the butt of his or i mean at the tip of his barrel he's wanting to rip them to shreds and he's like, oh, he's like, I forgot what he yelled. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, yelled I don't know something. if it was uh, if it was was requiring uh, parental advisory. Probably. Oh, though. I don't know. I think you kept it pretty clean. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> that was that was probably the most scared moment I've ever had calling a coyote. Ever. <laughs> like, this was probably like the first or second time I took you out and I almost got you killed by three German shepherds. So yeah. Like, notice oh, my man, wife never bad. let you take me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the lady kind of called them off and they, they, they retreated and they were actually really friendly dogs after that. But she just like, Oh, I'm sorry. We heard stuff back here. And we <laughs> came stop. back to see what was going on. And like, yeah, you're first of all, you're trespassing. Cause this is uh, my friend's property. And then she found <laughs> out we were after the coyote. And uh, yeah, like, I didn't, I just couldn't believe it. And like, you have no idea how close you, you're, you came to yeah. losing a few dogs. Yeah, but. because I probably at that point had every bit of right. Oh man, to do what I, needed to be done because they were. I don't right know if I could have. 
I can, I don't know if I could have had the same restraint that you had. That Jeez, was pretty that, credit me with something, people. I'm a good that person. Was, no, that was, <laughs> yeah, you, you held it together way better than probably 99% of the people in the oh, world. Because that was, uh, that was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had some good times though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've we've had good times with a lot of people we met on your forum and everything. Oh, you know, Kevin Williams, Fred Gadsby, we've hung out a lot oh, with absolutely. Kevin. Kevin Rott and I, like I said, I don't know if we would have ever known, but I, I think I got on a po- on a Facebook page at one time and commented something, and Kevin said, "Are you Mapes off the scrap forums?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, and, yeah, we've talked yep. before," and I, I that's pretty much how. Kevin and yeah, I got yeah, to be friends. It was a, it became a pretty tight knit group of uh, a lot of us. And I remember Kevin over on a different forum. I believe I had kind of hit him up on there and say, "Hey, by the way, we got a you know a smaller forum with some guys." And I believe that's how I know yeah. Kevin was showed up towards the end of of the forum back in like I don't know 2013 or 12. And at that point, we had been running it for 11 years, and it was just getting the getting too big and kind of lost it's the i don't know it's tight-knit group for the most part we're getting some other people on there that really weren't as serious you know as being part of the community and stuff as we were and it it just became too much and fizzled out and facebook kind of became a bigger thing and uh it was really good to see you know you guys start overdrive and a lot of the guys that were from the michigan uh, predator hunting forum are are there and uh yeah, it's remarkable how many people I forget how many people we're still friends with, mutual friends from that forum. We had a, believe it or not, a marriage that took place uh, with Dave and Jerry's cousin, and they met up. Dave, um, Timber King, Dave Hill had met Jerry's cousin Karen, and they ended up getting married based through the forum, basically. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, and they they, they swiped right on that and, one. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, smash or pass. They both yes, right. smash. Oh yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome, Dave. I I talk to Dave all the time, and he's he's a great guy. They run, they run dog sleds and all kinds of cool stuff up in Minnesota now. And uh, but yeah, there's so many connections and uh, connections through connections that have happened as well. Well, and you know, Uperman. Cool. We still yep. follow along with Uperman, oh, yeah. and he yeah, posts he, all kinds of trail camp pictures. Really from the cool trail camp pictures. Yeah, wolves to moose to all different things up there in the the uh, western UP, which is super cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, I still see a ton of guys around, and you, you kind of forget, you know, that oh yeah, we all met through this accidental forum that happened from me seeing a coyote run out of the brush when I had just gotten back into hunting and bought a house. It would have probably never happened if it wasn't for that one moment and that one coyote and everything else that happened. So pretty, uh, pretty remarkable, really. Well, it's been a good time. And I mean, we, I thank you for what you did when you had that thing. Cause that's, I mean, that was our go-to where to learn from the guys that were learning all the same terrain, the same yeah, coyote, you know, exactly. And, that was the thing. A lot of us were at the same level, you know, being from Michigan and not having any good resources to go to, we were all kind of at the same same place in in predator hunting and uh learning from each other what you know goods and bads and what works what what doesn't and i don't know how many different people you know i got to hunt with from that farm i couldn't even begin to tell you you know how many guys we've met up with and in meetings and 
Todd that helped and did seminars and who knows, there were so many different things that happened over the years that uh, it was also kind of surprising. The, yep. It was also the first tournaments I ever competed. Yeah. In. Yeah. We had a few of those as well. You know, we'd a lot of contests online that were some of them somewhat comical and some of them were kind of an eye opener and you know, there was uh there was a lot going on. It was, um, it was pretty cool. So um, it's good to see that it still basically continues through, through overdrive and uh, a lot of you guys that, that are, have remained friends and everything. So, uh, so I'm, it all worth it. I'm just hoping to see you get back into it and get into thermal and night vision and, you know, have a couple thousand yeah, dollars roll around. And... Yeah. You never know. I I've always been the, I've always enjoyed the, the deep hikes into the, the swamps back in the middle of nowhere where, nobody has ever been and throwing a predator call on into that, that deep thick stuff and seeing what comes out. And that was yeah. kind of my attraction that, to it as well. So that's yeah. what you should, guys should do. You should team up and try and go and get them with bows. I've know. tried. I've come close. I've missed a few with the recurve <laughs> while calling uh, a few years ago, but yeah, I had the, the pleasure to, to meet Fred Eichler. Um, at a uh, Lansing expo and uh, got talking about that and, I think he has done that a few times where he's predator called with bows, him and Tim Wells and things. It's, yeah. it's pretty cool. So. Yeah. We just talked to Tim Wells on the podcast two or three weeks yeah. ago now. And that was a pretty cool, we had oh, fun with that, that episode. That yeah. was a good guy to talk to. Yeah. He's, he's probably, probably the favorite show I've ever seen is his, uh, relentless pursuit TV show. <laughs> you yep. get some really cool stuff on there. So. All right. Kevin, anything to follow up for the night? Nope. All good. All right. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we are just coming off of the Michigan Youth Hunt, uh, Liberty Hunt weekend. It is 9-11 today. Always remember 9-11-2001. But for anybody that was successful this weekend, congratulations to everybody. We saw a whole lot of kids' pictures this weekend. Um, A lot of adults, 100% uh, disabled veterans were successful Congratulations to everybody that was successful this weekend. Uh, it was actually a pretty nice weekend weather-wise, so good to see a bunch of youth hunters and people getting out there and getting some hunting in. Um, we did not have the luck we wanted to have. We might talk about that on another episode, but... Uh, one of our members did. Yeah, uh, Mike and his daughter got one down, um, and I think he said that was her first deer, too. Yep. Um, and what did he use for that 350 Legend? Six five Grendel. Oh, okay. I thought he said three fifty or I don't remember what he said. Six five Grendel. Kevin, you know much details on that? How far the shot was or anything? Um you know, he did I don't remember if he told me. He said he said the deer only went probably fifty, sixty yards. It was uh still plenty of daylight left. She made a good shot on it and they recovered it after dark because they had plenty of time to wait and see if uh, more deer would come out, um, his daughter, his other daughter was sitting with his dad on the same field on a different area. Okay. So they didn't want to go try and get that deer right away, hoping that more would come out and his other daughter would get a chance. Um, but they didn't have any more opportunities at night. So once, uh, darkness hit, they went and found it right away, I guess. Nice. No, congratulations nice to all of them. Yeah. And everybody's starting to stock their freezers. That's what I am looking forward to the most getting that smoker rolling Uh, making some smoked lunch meat a lot of jerky we got plans for the year so congratulations again everybody thank you all for listening to this week's episode ben van weeren thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight 
You bet. Thank you guys for having me on. That's Absolutely. Awesome. We uh, we appreciate everything you've done, and I mean, you kind of lit, helped light the fire, so my wife can call you when she complains about the cost of it now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> all right, no. everybody. Thank Keep, you all, right. all so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week on the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.